Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of True Crime in Academia. I am your host, Mary DePippi. First of all, I hope you are all having a wonderful week so far in this holiday season. If not, that really sucks, and I do hope it gets better. I've just been so tired, like, these past two weeks. It's like I can't wake up. I I don't know what's happening. But I don't know, it could be like the, you know, my body's still getting used to the time change, you know, daylight savings, things like that. It getting darker earlier and, you know, just the usual hectic chaos that is the holidays, right? Yeah. I hope you all are having a good holiday season so far, though, Uh, despite the fact that it's generally very stressful. (laughs) But... This week's case actually takes place in the wintertime. And it's a story pretty much every woman or female presenting person has been told since the time that they were born. You know, don't get too drunk. Someone could rape and murder you. And sadly, this this is what happens in this case. So trigger warning for today's episode There will be discussions of sexual assault. I'm not going to get too in-depth with anything. Um, But there is mentions of it. As well as just, you know, typical murdery things. So, yeah, those are your trigger warnings for today's episode. And with that, let's get into it. On February 1st, 2019, police were notified that a 21-year-old named Libby Squire had not returned home after friends had put her in a taxi the previous night. For seven weeks, police searched for Libby, and finally, on March 20th, her body was discovered by a fisherman in the Humber estuary. Libby Squire was born on June 14, 1997, to parents Lisa and Russ Squire. There's not much information about her childhood, but it appears that she had a normal, loving family life, based on the statements of family and friends, saying that she was a beautiful, caring, and wonderful girl. There are sources, however, that suggested that she did struggle during her teen years, specifically with self-harm, but had turned her life around when she got into the University of Hull. Now, from what I've researched, like I said, it seems like it's more mental health issue-related, again, with the self-harm and things like that, and... You know, other than that, I mean, (laughs) you know, there's really no reason for us to really know that, you know? I mean, it has nothing to do with her murder or really anything at all. And, you know, quite frankly, what exactly she was struggling with at the time is none of our business. You know, like I said, by all accounts, she seemed like she was a very normal girl. She was studying philosophy at the University of Hull, which is in Kingston, England, And Libby and a few friends were going to go out the night of January 31st, 2019. But Libby was refused entry by the bouncer for being too intoxicated. So Libby's friends put her in a cab that was supposed to take her home. And according to the CCTV footage, she got out of the taxi, but she never entered her house. Instead, she walked over to a nearby home 
and then went down Beverly Road where she was last seen sitting on a bench near the junction at Cottingham Avenue. Witnesses reported that Libby was having a hard time walking. She was falling down, mumbling incoherently. And in some instances, she was actually sobbing. Now, I just want to take a moment here for us all to remember that time we got really drunk where we don't remember and, you know, friends had to tell you what you did the next day. Now, think about how you're still alive. Getting drunk or being intoxicated on any other drug is not a death sentence, nor should it ever be. You know, should we be cautious when we're out in a drinking environment? Absolutely. No questions asked. But sometimes we slip, you know. Sometimes we have, you know, one, two, you know, maybe four or five drinks too many. And we become vulnerable to those who are wanting to hurt us and take advantage of us. But being intoxicated doesn't give an attacker the right to assault you. (laughs) Nor does it give anyone the right to shame Libby for what happened. I mean, sadly, in, as we're seeing, Libby is quite drunk. You know, she's falling down. She's not speaking clearly. You know, typical white girl wasted, you know. And, you know, I'm not blaming her friends. But, you know, if I was one of her friends at the time, I would have went with her in the taxi just to make sure that she got home. Just especially since she seemed to be in such an intoxicated state. I don't know that I necessarily would have trusted my friend to be able to get home on their own. Um, You know, but again, it seems like they were pre-gaming pretty hard. So, you know, I'm sure they were intoxicated as well. And, you know, putting her in a cab was probably the easiest and... You know, just in their minds, it was probably just the best thing that they could do for her. But like I said, you know, in that situation, I'd like to think that I would have been like, oh, hey, let me go home and make sure you get in the door. okay, and then I'll come back. But again, that's not what happened. And again, I'm not blaming them. They did the best they could. You know, at least they made sure she got home or was going to be able to get home. And, you know, I've definitely been in that situation where I've pre-gamed way too hard before going out. It's like the pre-gaming was the event. And again, I'm still here. You know, I've also done some pretty sketchy shit while I was drunk. I mean, I've definitely walked home from a party to my apartment or, you know, to wherever I was staying during those times. So, yeah. Again, I'm still here. And I'm very grateful for that, you know. It's just really sad, though. I think that people, that some people are still going to look at Libby's tragic death as a way to push this narrative to, like, shame people. Which I can't stand. (sighs) CCTV footage shows that a man had gotten out of a parked car, which was a silver Vauxhall Astra, and approached Libby as she was walking towards the bench around 11.57 p.m. The strained man crosses the street and then waits on the other side as if he's watching her. But when Libby starts to walk down Beverly Road again, he actually follows her. Roughly 58 seconds later, the pair are seen walking together. The man goes back into his car and sits in the driver's seat and Libby gets in on the passenger side. 
Cameras in the area tracked the silver Vauxhall Astra to Oak Road playing fields. Approximately seven minutes passed from the time Libby and this mystery man exit the car when he returns alone. Neighbors living in that area reported having heard blood-curdling screams around 12.14 in the morning. And as we all know, hearing blood-curdling screams, especially that late at night, isn't ever good. And sadly for Libby, it definitely wasn't. The next day, Humberside police began investigating Libby's disappearance. They saw her disappearance as odd and out of character for her. So door-to-door inquiries were made by 200 trainee officers and more than 50 police officers and a helicopter searched the surrounding areas for Libby. As time continued to pass without a trace of Libby, her parents made appearances on the news just pleading for their daughter to just come home. After seven weeks of searching on March 20th, Libby's body was discovered by a fishing boat in the Humber estuary. Her autopsy revealed that she was raped before her death, and her death was ruled a potential homicide. Thankfully, the police in Humberside took her disappearance seriously. If you guys remember Tammy Zawicki's case, the first uh, case that I covered for this podcast, the police wasted, like I want to say it was like three days before they actually started looking for her. And to this day, her case has not been solved. And... Again, this is because they waited three days. And the longer you wait in a missing persons case, we all know, the longer it's going to take for you to A, track down the person, but also that gives that person who committed the crime time to hide or destroy evidence, which I think absolutely is what happened in Tammy Zwicky's case, but I digress. There is a pretty intense search that is happening, but because Libby's body was in water after she died, It took a while because what happens is when you put a body in water, it will sink to the bottom, but eventually as decomposition starts, the gases that it creates are what make the body float up to the surface. So that's probably why it took them so long to finally find her, Um, which is such such a horrible thing to think about someone's body just lying in a body of water for no one to find. You know, I it's I have no words. The thing that I don't understand though is that after they find out or discover that she had been raped before she died, that they only considered it a potential homicide. I mean, she was already violently attacked. So in my like for me, it's hard to believe that her death could only be or could only potentially be a homicide. You know, I could understand There are certain scenarios in which that her death could have been accidental. But again, like, I just feel like after such a violent attack like that, it's highly unlikely that her death was accidental. And in this case, obviously, it wasn't, you know. But, I mean, we've all seen it. It's in every, like, crime show. We see it on the news. Most, it's sad, but most rape victims that I've covered or at least researched die because it's the attacker's fear of getting caught essentially and what better way to cover up your crime than by you know getting rid of all the evidence so yeah i just found it really strange that they thought her death would potentially be a homicide i just you know 
Thankfully, the police were able to identify and locate the mysterious man that was seen getting into the car with Libby the night of her disappearance. He was identified as 26-year-old Polish immigrant and butcher, Powell Relowitz. Not much is known about his childhood or upbringing, but it is said that he moved to the UK from Warsweis, Poland, I think I said that correctly, <laughs> at 18 years old. He's married with two children, so, you know, what could make, you know, what would make this guy go out and commit rape and murder? You know, I mean, with the details of his childhood unknown, it's really hard to say if he experienced like any sort of abuse that would trigger these violent tendencies. But what we do know is that Relowitz had a history of sexual harassment and peeping that was starting to escalate. I swear to you, I swear to you, peeping is the gateway crime to rape and murder. I have never, never seen an instance where someone is just peeping and only peeps. It literally never happens and it never just stays at that point. I swear it always escalates. I mean, I really wish we did know more about Relowitz's upbringing. Um, you know, just because like I said, I'm very curious to just know if he suffered any sort of parental abuse because in the case of most serial killers or um, people who peep or like serial rapists, generally they're getting abuse from a parent or a close relative. And unfortunately, that's like a standard amongst most very violent people, which, again, very, very sad. One of Relowitz's victims, who's only known to us as Sarah, reported an incident that occurred in July of 2017. Sarah reported that around four in the morning, she and her boyfriend had caught Relowitz looking through her window with his face and hands pressed against it. After being caught, Relowitz escaped, and Sarah reported it to the police. Sadly, the police did not take Sarah's case seriously, and Relowitz was able to get away. Weeks before Libby's disappearance, it was reported that Relowitz had been seen peeping through two women's windows and masturbating. It was also reported that he would take women's underwear and sex toys from the student houses. In one instance, he even took a child's toy that belonged to one of his peeping victims. Ugh, that's just so gross. So gross. I mean, I get, like, the stealing of underwear and maybe sex toys because that's, again, it's a whole other level of gross. But a fucking child's toy? Come on. Really? Like, my, the first thing that I thought of when I saw this or read this was that the only thing I can possibly fathom is that he brought those back for his own kids. Like, came home, look, daddy's got a new toy for you. And it's like, really, it's from someone's house he broke into and was had been watching (sighs) what i don't understand is though how his wife didn't pick up on this behavior i mean at the very least if my husband was constantly going out at night the way relowitz was i would at least think he was cheating you know i mean why spending so much time away from home i mean he's a butcher i can't imagine any butcher working at night but then again i know nothing about the the world of butchery so i may be wrong they may be they may work at night for all i know but it seems like he would just work at a standard butcher shop and then be home normal time i guess maybe a little after five i don't know but yeah i just i, I don't understand 
where her brain was. You know? Just a thought. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Guys, let me tell you about my friend Mandy. She makes some of the most beautiful crocheted goods and decorations I have truly ever seen. The holidays are just around the corner, so you're either going to be looking for that super unique gift or that super special ornament or decoration for your home. Do yourself a favor. Go to Mandy Made It on Facebook and Instagram. That's M-A-N-D-E-E, Made It, on Facebook and Instagram. And slide into her DMs. Trust me, you are just going to love everything she has to offer. I already have a few pumpkins from her. I have a really nice crocheted headband that keeps me warm in the winter. And of course, my very, very favorite Coraline doll. So... If you're looking for cool decorations or if you're looking for that super special gift, go to Mandy Made It on Facebook and Instagram to order now. In August of 2019, Relowitz was arrested on eight charges, including voyeurism, outrageous public decency, and burglary. This arrest landed him a five-year and eight-month sentence. But the charges for Libby's rape and murder were not yet added. They wouldn't be added until October 24th, 2019, when the police would finally have enough evidence against Relowitz to charge him with Libby's rape and murder. I mean, eight charges. Eight. Eight! Eight, 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 eight. That is, I mean, that's not like a crazy high number, but I mean, for charges, that seems like a lot. Especially since all of them seem to be quite similar, you know, with the voyeurism and, you know, public indecency and things like that. I mean, like, eight. Again, I'm coming back to, like, ugh, eight and he's only serving five and a half years or five years and eight months. Like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I guess that fits for what he's being charged with. But even still, like, I feel like after two, we're establishing a pattern, you know? We, we, you know, we're establishing a pattern that this guy is continually going out and doing these types of things, like peeping and such. Like, <sighs> at that point, I feel like they should have just been keeping a better eye on him. Again, this is after she was already dead, sadly. But, you know, I just, I can't see how you look at that and not try and figure out some sort of plan to help this person. Because obviously, like I said, it's only going to get worse. And it did. Relowitz's trial didn't start until January 12th of 2021, which was just about two years after Livy's murder. Relowitz, of course, denied the charges. However, it appears that he gave police and the court five different accounts of what happened the night he met and killed Libby, including that the sex that he had with Libby was consensual. 
But I mean, are we surprised that that he was going to say that the sex that he had with her was consensual? I mean, I feel like the major. I mean, I feel like that's the first get out of rape card that most rapists will will peg. It was consensual. It was consensual. Fucking disgusting. Clearly, like I just want to like quote princess bride and just be like you say that word but i don't think you know what it means <laughs> clearly you have no idea what consensus mr relowitz none at all at one point he stated to the courts that sometimes those who are not guilty lie the defense argued that relowitz was only trying to help livy and that she could have taken her own life given her history of self-harm i really think it is so so fucking scummy when the when lawyers in general or the defense i should say try to blame the death of a person because of their history of self-harm it's fucking bullshit it is knowing you know it's just i cannot stand how the defense can just use libby's past struggles against her and she's not even here to say anything. She can't defend herself. She can't tell them, no, that's not the case, or yes, that was the case. She's not here. So you're using this stupid and cheap fucking element of her past in order to help prove your client's innocence. And I understand every person has the right to a good defense, but it's just in such poor taste and just severely irks my soul when the defense or any lawyer, like I said, in that case, tries to use a victim's past against them when they can't even do it, say anything about it. <laughs> Fucking disgusting. I literally can't stand it. But sadly, it is still admissible in court. They are. Al- yes, they are allowed to do that, people. They are allowed to do it. And then his, like, and just his whole, like, sometimes people who are not guilty lie. I mean, yeah, sure. You know, how many lies do we all tell in a day? You know, I I get it. (laughs) But that's not going to make you sound good in court. It just doesn't. Doesn't at all. I mean, I, if I was a juror, I'd be like, dude, you sound shady as hell. What do you mean sometimes those who are not guilty lie? Come on now. When it comes to crime, we know that if you're lying, you're either covering up for someone, covering up something you did, or trying to cover up any sort of element of said crime that makes you look guilty. And yeah, I get it. You know, sometimes there are instances where, you know, people forget things when they're talking to police and certain things come back to them, yada, yada, yada. I get that. This is not this case. He's lying because he doesn't want to get caught for murdering and raping Libby Squire. That's really why he's lying. He's not lying because he's not guilty. That's for damn sure. Now, the prosecution argued that the night of Libby's murder, Relowitz was driving around hunting for a victim that he could have easy sex with. They also described Libby as vulnerable, given her level of intoxication, but also because of the cold weather... She was also most likely hypothermic because in the CCTV footage, when you see what she's wearing, it's cold outside. There's snow on the ground and she's got like this tiny little jacket 
Which, again, she was planning on going out. No one wants to bring a huge overcoat with them to the club, you know, that they have to monitor and or get checked, or things like that. So I understand why she wasn't wearing the appropriate attire. But again, all of these things are what made her vulnerable to him. Now, her autopsy could not reveal the manner of death, but the medical examiner noted that there were two lacerations inside the top of her lip. That was consistent with squeezing or compressing of the neck or covering of the mouth. DNA taken from Relowitz matched the DNA swabbed from Libby's body, and that pretty much sealed Relowitz's fate. Gosh, I gotta love DNA evidence. I have to say, though, I am surprised that the evidence survived just from her being in the water for seven weeks. So that's pretty impressive. I, I truly thought that any sign of his DNA was going to be washed away in the water. But thankfully, and I hate to say thankfully, because obviously we, you know, we don't want any of this to have happened to her. But at least there was some evidence left that could, you know, seal the coffin, if you will, for this guy, because he deserves to rot in jail for this. On February 11th, 2021, After six days of deliberation, the jurors came back with a verdict of guilty. Relowitz was sentenced to 27 years in prison, and the bench where Libby was last seen has now become a memorial for her, which I think is really sweet. Her parents, Lisa and Russ Squire, have now become advocates for changes in the legal system or so that Libby's fate doesn't have to happen to anyone else. Currently, they're advocating for treatment of low-level sex offenders while they're incarcerated. You know, um, these are like the worst (laughs) possible circumstances, but I find it extremely admirable that the squires are working to help low-level sex offenders so that way they can get help and, you know, not go on to commit any more of these crimes or even escalate. I I truly just don't, you know, know how they have the energy I can't even imagine dedicating my life to a cause after losing a child I I truly don't know how they do it it's it's really incredible of them and I think they're really advocating for good changes not that I ever would think that it would be bad obviously people who commit these types of crimes and I think just crimes in general clearly have something going on there's some sort of trauma some sort of anger there's or maybe even a disorder there's something not right (laughs) with these individuals and I hate to just make a blanket statement like that but it's true you know these people who are doing these things they also need help I think it's really easy to look at them and think oh well they're just pieces of shit so like they get what they deserve they deserve to rot in jail blah 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 blah. now i'm not saying that some of them don't deserve to rot in jail i do but i also think that they deserve to have help and to be able to work through whatever it is that's causing them to want to commit these violent acts you know so again i just that's incredible of them again i don't know how they have the mental energy or stamina to even do this after having lost their child. I, I I truly commend them for that. That's really incredible. 
Well, my dear listeners, that is all the time I have for you today. So please, please, please make sure you do all the things like subscribe, things like that. You know, it really helps us. Make sure you follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram at True Crime and Academia. But also follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Instagram and Twitter. For Instagram, we're at the Ivory Tower Boiler Room and Instagram, or I'm sorry, and for Twitter, we are the Ivory Boiler Room. So follow us on that, on those, follow us on the things, and so that way you can keep up with all of the news and things we've got going on. We've got some really exciting things coming up after our winter break, which will be roughly two, three weeks from now. So I'll be giving you guys a couple more good episodes before our break. But until then, I hope you all have a wonderful week. And I hope you enjoy it. Enjoy this holiday season that is upon us. If you are struggling, I know I am going through some seasonal depression right now. So, you know, make sure you're checking in with yourselves, okay? You know, check in with your loved ones, but also check in with you. Make sure that you're doing okay. You only got you. You're stuck with you for the rest of your life. I hate to break it to y'all. But so take care of yourselves out there. All right. Stay safe and enjoy your holiday season. And until next week, I will see you later. True Crime and Academia is an Ivory Tower Boiler Room podcast. Members of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room team include Andrew Rimby, Executive Director, Mary DePippi, Chief Contributor, and Jaron Usta, Marketing Director. To support the Ivory Tower Boiler Room and its podcasts like True Crime and Academia, click the link at the bottom of the show notes and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Ivory Tower Boiler Room and at True Crime and Academia. A special thank you to Anne-Sophie Anderson, composer and performer of the song Scorpio, which is this podcast's theme song. As always, Thank you for listening, and we appreciate your support.